As a Black person living in America, wartime is always a conundrum. On the one hand, there's a war happening, where you're supposed to have feelings of patriotism, but on the other, how do you feel patriotic for a nation which marginalizes you every day at home? On this episode of Keiko Talks, we're discussing what it means to be a Black American during wartime. Let's get into it. Before we get started with this episode, we will be discussing sensitive material which may be triggering for some listeners. Please understand that we are sharing our personal opinions on the topic for this episode. We want to respect all lives, American and non-American, which were lost in any of the wars and conflicts we are discussing tonight. All right, so welcome back to another episode of Keiko Talks. We're so excited to be talking about this topic tonight. Uh, This is a topic that I've kind of had swirling around in my head for a while now, Um, but I'm glad that that uh, we have the opportunity to talk about it. And and one of the reasons why we actually wanted to talk about it, you know, in this podcast format is because right now um, there is a war going on uh, between Russia and Ukraine. So we wanted to kind of address our feelings like as Americans, but also as black Americans, um, because that's often overlooked in our nation is like, how do black Americans, young black people, black women, you know, feel about where's their place in this kind of like American patriotism or American, like, you know, uh, the American war machine. Right. So, um, yeah, that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. Um, but first we want to always start with some definitions. So, uh, we want to go ahead and define patriotism, which is, according to our research, the quality of being patriotic, devotion to and vigorous support for one's country, right? So we hear about patriotism mm-hmm. all the time. Like, uh, even like, you know, like even sports teams are named Patriots, right? Like the New England, New England Patriots. It's like, that's so like ingrained in our culture. It's like be patriotic yeah. in American for culture. Sure. We even have like holidays surrounded around it. You know, like Veterans yeah. Day is kind of in theme with Memorial Day, um what else there's quite a few holidays fourth of july fourth fourth of july July is very patriotic Mm -hmm. Um, even like september 11th has become a patriotic holiday it's all about like yeah it's these holidays that are about supporting one's own nation and loyalty to one's own nation right i do think patriotism though has in recent years taken a very has a negative almost a negative connotation now because it's so associated with like white nationalism and white supremacy because in america specifically the people who are most vigorously patriotic oftentimes tend to be on that spectrum you know are like rights far right you know like you know the Mm -hmm. trump support the trump campaign was very much about like patriots be a patriotic person whatever you know that kind of idea of like be loyal to america and that really was synonymous with a lot of like white uh nationalism supremacy we're saying white supremacy white nationalism even the slogan make america great again that was rooted in it's like dog whistle patriotism yeah for sure and it's relying on the idea of like patriotism as kind of the through line or americanism nationalism Mm -hmm. that connects them exactly um but that's that's becomes interesting when you are a black person because so much of your experience of living in America is actually about being disjointed from this idea of being of being American. Right? Exactly. Like America yeah. for a lot of black people is not the America that it is for white Americans. Right. Oh, for and sure. that's historical historically that has shown itself, but also just in our day to day lives. So 
how do you negotiate, you know, being a Black American when the country is in a time of conflict? And off the rip, we want to say America at this point is not, at the time that we're doing this podcast, because we don't know what's going to happen in future weeks, at the time we're doing this, America is not involved in the war directly, physically in combat, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the war in Ukraine. But um, that just, that kind of sparked me thinking about how do, how do you do that? How do Black Americans and how have they negotiated that? Because Black Americans have been in this country since the foundation of this country. Mm-hmm. And they fought in every single war. So, so yeah. I Maybe think that, me personally, I think that it's um, a contradiction to be, quote unquote, patriotic as an African-American, because if you ask me, which a lot of things have not changed in America, the root and the foundation of America is built on um, oppression, right? Or a superiority being white people are superior than African-Americans, right? Mm -hmm. So with that being your foundation, how are we to be patriotic to a country that is not even ours to be patriotic for, right? So that is where I stand with it. I don't think African-Americans, I know there are some African-Americans who are patriotic, patriotic, excuse me, but I, me personally, I just think that, first of all, this is not even our true home as African-Americans. You know, our ancestry is rooted back to Africa. So how are we patriotic to a country that's not even ours, that was not built for us, um, to me, it's just an oxymoron, really. I, you know, I have to echo that and say that I think what I've come to the terms with, and that's why I had to even start saying Black American and not African American, mm-hmm. because I'm much more connected in roots to descendants of slavery, right? I'm a descendant yeah. of slaves. So I'm connected to a, really an institution, a, an American institution, slavery, and to those, the people who were enslaved. I'm connected to them much deeper than I am connected to the founding fathers or that idea of what America is supposed to be, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's my actual lineage goes back to you know, the American South, the enslaved people there, the Native American people there. That's mm-hmm. where I come from. And that is not the same as what the founding fathers were preaching or what even political figures at the time were, were preaching or, you know, exactly. even that's not the same. That's a different America. Oh, yeah. So it's it's hard sure. to be patriotic for something that is not not only not yours, but was actively oppressing what was yours. Exactly. And on top of that, you know, even if you take out um, like the slavery thing, because we did not technically experience that, we're still fighting for the same rights. You know, (laughs) we may not physically be enslaved, but honey, I promise you, we are still mentally enslaved. We are still enslaved as far as um, when it comes to equality. We still have not achieved that. We haven't achieved, you know, even like um, discrepancies between like you know, going to get something as simple as a loan today. As if you put uh, your African-American on said loan, you're more likely to get de- denied than someone that is not, you know, African-American or black. Exactly. So, you know, though we're not physically in chain, I don't think America wants us to be seen as equal, um, but they want us to be patriotic to make them look good, I think, and or to support, you know, the white supremacy, white um patriotic thing to do which is keep america great quote unquote but um 
I mean, is, let's be honest, America's still not for African-Americans. <laughs> if they could ship us out today, they would. Yeah. Yeah, I just, it's it's just ironic to me because I, I went back and did the research and I was like, because I was like, I know Black Americans fought in the Civil War and in in, in every war since then, but I didn't know mm-hmm. Black Americans fought in the Revolutionary War as well. So they mm-hmm. never had a problem with using Black bodies. That's never been a problem for them. Yeah. And that's something I tell people all the time, actually, is like, this is why they get so confused, like, when they see somebody who behaves racist, like, but so-and-so has a Black friend or so-and-so mm-hmm. knows a Black person. It's not about them having proximity. White people have always, in our nation, have always had proximity to the other, to the Black person, to the Native American, to the woman, right? Always had proximity to them because they needed them. It's not that. Yeah, and it's, it's really an expectation. It's not because that is your friend. It's what can I get from this? Yeah. America in, as a whole is in a very exploitative country, right? Is what can I get from you? How are you going to benefit me? How is this going to make me look better? Exactly. Not so much of what, how can I use this to benefit the country as a whole? So that's what mm-hmm. they, that's essentially what they did with slavery. Exactly. Right? Nothing has changed there. I feel like, well, the only thing that's changed is legally you're not allowed to own a slave, right? Like you have to physically. Yeah, that's literally the only thing. But But they enslave us in so many other ways still. So has it really changed? It's just you can't physically have shackles on me. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, you know, it's one extreme form of capitalism to another. That's what I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They have, that has shifted marginally even, you know, you can really even argue like with the way minimum wages and stuff now. And the cost oh, yeah. of living, that stuff really gets into like slave labor really quick, especially you talk about oh, sure. in deep south states where there's only the minimum wage is like seven twenty five, um, right? And the living yeah. wage is two, three, four times that, right? Or the mm-hmm. what you need to survive. So I I always maintain I don't think white people I don't think white Americans have an issue with black people I, being in proximity to them or being near them. They have they want to maintain the power structure. They want to always be in charge. They want to set the cultural standard. They want to set the financial standard. They want to be in charge of these institutions. Uh They they don't care if black people are there. Because like like we we always say, like they use our culture. They use our bodies. They use our uh, intelligence, our skill, our labor. Absolutely. uh, But they maintain the power structure and they make decisive moves to do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting oh, yeah. to me because I, you know, like I was saying, I didn't realize that Black Americans who would have been absolutely enslaved in the time had fought in the Revolutionary War. So it's mm-hmm. very ironic that Black Americans fought in the war for independence from Britain despite being slaves themselves. Which is odd to me as well because um, the how they became a part of that was just simply because they just didn't have enough white men. Yeah. Period. You know, so it was, like it's very exploitative. The only reason why they were part of the war is because, oh, well, we can knock off these bodies. These guys don't mean anything um, versus these white lives. Right. So it already created that complex. It reinforced that complex because that's what America was built on. But, you yeah. know, it, it, it lit- I don't think it was because they wanted to. It was just because we have no one else for one. And mm-hmm. like these are disposable bodies yeah that's why they end up yeah. fighting in the civil war and like in world war one and because really the idea for you know white americans at the time is like white people defending white honor defending white country defending the white so they i think they would have preferred to only have white people yeah of discrimination practices but they physically did not have enough human labor 
So they relied on black labor, black bodies to fight for a nation which was not even recognizing their humanity. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So it's always it's always a con it, a conundrum is probably not even the right word. It's always a, a contradiction because it's like you you're fighting. They put you in a position to fight for something that is not yours that and that no. you don't have any. Not only do you not have any stake in, they act they oppress you. In that. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in my research, yeah. so I found this quote, um, and I'm just going to read it to you. Um, it says, Black patriotism does not hold that America is irredeemably, irredeemably racist. It asks if America is interested in redemption. Is it forward-looking and informed by history, meshing optimism about the nation's perspectives with a realist um, about... Okay, let me start over. Okay. Black patriotism does not hold that America is irredeemably racist. It asks if America is interested in redemption. It is forward-looking and informed by history, meshing optimism about the nation's perspectives with the realism about its struggles with racial equality. And it is rooted in the task of helping the nations reconcile black with American. Yes. So um, this is kind of like the, the other spectrum of what we're saying, right? That uh, being a patriot, be, being patriotic as a black American is, uh, is rooted in redemption, not, um, not as racist aspects and having the optimism that America is going to change. But my problem with that is, um, you know, how long have we been fighting for equality and nothing has truly changed? Is this an endless like fight? That's what I'm saying. I think I think black patriotism goes back to the I really hate that people even put Malcolm X and Martin Luther King at these like opposite ends of the spectrum because I actually don't really yeah. I don't totally see them as opposite ends of the spectrum. I think it was different means to to the same end. Oh, absolutely. And I, but I think that's white supremacy saying that, though, you know, exactly. Yeah, like one is good. like the extremist and one is not. But they really mm -hmm. were fighting the same fight. They really weren't enemies. It was just they had different approaches and they mm -hmm. respect mm -hmm. each other's approaches. Exactly. And I think they're both noble approaches, approaches in their own right. So I don't for sure. I don't like that whole debate. But I think what this quote is saying really is it's if you had to put it with somebody, it is more more in line with the with what. What white America has said that Martin Luther King is, is like, we can all come mm. to the table of brotherhood at some point. It's like having optimism that things can change, that racial equality can be reached, and that we really will live in an equitable society. That's, I guess, what patriotism is, is to have, for Black Americans, is to have hope. Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, the idea that there really is no hope because you can't change these, like, inherently flawed institutions i.e. the white institutions you cannot inherently you can't change what is already inherently wrong with it right so yeah, and they don't want us in that space in the first place for us to create any change right exactly so you um, they don't want to create that space to even for them to change it so it, it's like an endless fight so why am i patriotic to something that is not like patriotic to me as a quote-unquote american exactly and that's that's how you get into like liberation like mm-hmm like black liberation basically like how do we free ourselves from this institution which is 
uh, binding us, which does not yeah. respect us. You know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. I guess, again, I don't like those comparisons, but that's more of the like Malcolm X theory is like, why are we asking, basically, why are we asking white people for to be a part of their stuff when they yeah. are inherently flawed? Like they are not, they're not people we want to even replicate or be around because they're so like despicable, <laughs> you know? For sure. Um, and and that that is something as I've gotten older, I understand more and more because I'm like, you know, the the MLK way of doing things is really almost a white apologist thing. It's like almost a like it makes it's nice and easy for, for white people because it's this sort of like they can continue to sit in their position of privilege and still feel like they are the white savior. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah, and it, like Versus, it's like we're constantly being exploited, right? But while we hold on to to hope, you know what I mean? It's kind of like like you like say you pour gasoline on a house, right? And you just sit mm-hmm. back and watch, and like I hope it's gonna go out. No, you have to get someone to come take out the fire for you. Exactly. It's not gonna go out by itself. I think the you know narrative about MLK now has been reinterpreted, unfortunately, as a way that white. Americans have tried to gaslight black Americans into like, oh, see, look, we're changing. We put MLK up or we're like we put, you know, it's these sort of like faux um, gestures of uh, of equality. You know what I mean? Just like like Black History Month. That's first of all, Black History Month is in the shortest month of of the of the year. February, right? Twenty eight days. Okay, Um, for one. And y'all think it only takes 28 days to get recognition as an African-American or African-American historical figures? That's it? And also, There's black people living in this world 365 days a year. Yeah. Like, I'm confused. <laughs> y'all celebrate white people any other day. You know what I mean? Like, well, our institutions yeah. are built on whiteness. So oh, for like, sure. I just, I think the idea of black patriotism is... For a black American, to a white American, it might sound totally different, but to a black American, the idea of black patriotism gets into a really, you get into like, uh, almost being like a, a, like a, a sort of an Uncle Tom. Yeah. Quickly with that, because it's this idea yeah. of like, we can have hope that like the white people will change, the white people will change. And it's like, how long have most of us been living in white people? at most give give some sort of like gesture or some sort mm-hmm. of you know what I mean? Yeah. So and that's not I, to discredit like the changes that have been made. Mm-hmm. Um because I do think like obviously slavery is no longer in um no longer and, you know that's been abolished. Ever. It's no longer legal. But let's be honest, the new slavery is they're enslaving other cultures. Other nations or you know just exploiting the workers who are here. Exactly. Not paying them enough to, to live. So, you know, in my personal opinion, um, nothing nothing has truly changed. There's still a huge disadvantage being an African-American, um, let alone being an African-American woman, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can't even fix equality between a white man and a white woman. You have, you really think changes has called, changes have you know, happen with African-Americans? Absolutely exactly. not. <laughs> you know, that's a white person. That, that's who has the advantage in the first place. Exactly. So. Exactly. And like, honestly, you see it in so many different places. Like, 
uh, one of the biggest places for me was I saw this definitely in the working world mm-hmm. uh, where it just it is their culture. It is their white culture. Yeah. Right? And if they if they feel so inclined to invite you into their culture, they just are totally ignorant to the fact that like you don't abide by that standard, by that rule, that that's not even a culture you're a part of. Or that you care uh-huh. to be a part of anyways. And so they, but they still continue to like have this entitlement over your body as if like you are supposed to be in there. You're supposed to join them or something like uh-huh. you want to join yeah. them. So it's, it's just interesting. And and that was a very, con- I will say that that environment was particularly disgusting because they were, they're very conservative like Trump supporting type people. So they mm-hmm. were, they're not even really caught up with 2022 where I think the barometer for a lot of white people has moved. So I will give them credit on that. I think for a lot of white people, it really has moved to like, okay, we don't behave at least in, in certain ways. This particular group of people just, I don't know. I guess they want it to be 1950 again. I don't know, but. See, I um, disagree with that. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you had an extreme, extreme case with the individual you're working from. Um, if you don't know, we are from South Carolina, um, which South Carolina is pretty known for its is historically problematic. It's, yeah, it's for his, it's problematic <laughs> um, views and or actions, right? Um, and so, in in that that state, we're also from a predominantly white area where there is a lot of racist people still to this day. Mm-hmm. So, if that gives you any context for where Courtney was working at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, here's the thing. I don't think people have changed. I think what has changed is there's more black people in your space. So you have to accept because it's no longer socially acceptable to be like, oh, that person's black. Right. But now you have this hidden racism. Um, these, you know, I see it on TikTok all the time where white people, they'll be, they'll say like, oh, I finally came to realize that I actually was racist. They don't think they're racist because I have to interact with you, but you really are, you know, yeah. um, subconsciously you feel some type of way because some a black person's in your space or you're like clenching your purse in the store or something like that. You, you know, white, your white homeboy down the street is probably more of a threat than I am. You know what I mean? Like I come yeah. in here to pay yeah. for things, unlike Jimmy John, who is constantly stealing, you know? Yeah. So um, I, I still think, it's a huge problem. I just think that people are more, um, it's more subliminal and or subconscious yeah. um, just because of how rooted it is. And even white culture or white history, whatever that culture is, um, it's rooted in that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. I think, I guess I'm measuring it by, maybe I, maybe I am an optimist. I see, I see half of it being, okay, that, that was a very select group of really extreme people. Then I think about the white people I knew, like in college and have known since then, they mm-hmm. haven't all been in that same arena. And I've known white people f- who who were outside of that realm who didn't behave that way and were in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So I think I don't I think it's first off, it's choices. But I, I also think in in the current era where people are regularly calling out these old white institutions, I think those extreme right groups those are you know those MAGA type groups those groups of people are um I think they're becoming the minority (laughs) I think they're becoming the minority not because of their whiteness but because of their like outlook they're just becoming archaic and that's why I I think think I think they have to band together in those like small groups like that I don't think so I think 
They are what they're afraid. I think the reason why they band together is because they're afraid of losing, quote unquote, what America is. But I do think there is a surplus of those type of individuals. Right. I think their biggest concern now is um, maybe like, you know, there's a lot of interracial mixing and stuff like that. And there are statistics that say, you know, white people are not going to be in very much longer um, Mm -hmm. as far as like the mixing of cultures and you know, biracial children and all that stuff like that, like that. So that's a threat to them because, you know, they what they built as Americans, right? Um, and they, also, too, also, too, you have your um, your population, a heavy population of, like, your baby boomers and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So those individuals are heavily, heavy believers in racist behaviors um, yeah. because that's what they grew up knowing, you know what I mean? So with that, that population being the majority – you have a huge population and those that population is not willing to change their viewpoint at all. So They're just gonna have to I, I don't, you know, yeah, they would have to pass on before something drastically changed. Mind you, those are the people that are in office still. They're not moving. So yeah. no change is really being generated. Well, not quickly. I think eventually, like I don't we think said, at all. <laughs> I think, I think there's some change happening and I think it will continue to happen because like, that's how things are going to move on and things are going to continue. I think maybe call that optimism, but I think, I think change will continue to happen. I think what's going to happen is they're going to continue to get frustrated. Those like far right people and they're going to continue to die out. People are going to continue to call them out publicly. And, um, I, how much I calling out was it take? Cause like they, they, like for example, Trump has been called out how many times and he still was elected as president. And I'm not talking about even mm-hmm. for, on a race factor. I'm talking about like even towards women and people still voted him in office. Well, yeah, that's true. I guess. So there's also a level of ignorance. And I guess you can also say that also to the African-American community as well. Um, there's a level of ignorance there of mm-hmm. not being educated on, um, you know, things like patriotism, um, different viewpoints as far as um i guess politics are concerned and what actually these presidents stand for you gotta do your research when it comes to stuff like that you know um Mm -hmm. so that's why i don't say much change has happened because it's still like you know while we may take one step forward or two steps forward we're taking 10 steps back by and you know putting in laws and stuff that that are not benefiting progressive um politics yeah progressive politics let alone equality Agreed. Well, I guess I think there's a cultural shift happening. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about culture. Okay. I think there's a cultural I can shift. Culture shift. The idea of like, you know, even the terms like a Karen, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like that stuff is like stuff black people have been terrorized by Karen since the beginning of time. All they're really sure. saying is a white woman who feels entitled. Yeah. And that's yeah, something sure. all white all black people know or have come into contact with. We've all come into some a white lady with white tears who's gonna oh, like yeah. weaponize them. And some oh, attention. Sure. You know what I mean? I've, I I have knew Karen's when I was in middle school. Oh, like, I know Karen's you know since I, mean? I was born. That oh, little yeah. boy in elementary school was a Karen. <laughs> yeah, that's not yes. so we And that was what, first grade? Kids. That was kindergarten. Yeah. We've known Karen's all our lives. We've known, the, we've like had encounters with like old white men all our lives, like with these deeply conservative, like, what do we call, we call them good old boys in the South, like mm-hmm. good old boy type people who just, they call them good old boys, but they're like the most despicable racist human beings, mm-hmm. like sexist, racist, misogynist, like horrible human beings. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. 
So we, black people know, we have terms, we've had terms for this for like forever. We've known these kind of people. Culturally, we're calling them out now and they're getting ostracized in a way that they have never gotten ostracized before. I would agree with that. I think culturally. I think culturally. I, I saw a TikTok the other day and I thought this was so interesting. They're like, white men avoid HR the way black men avoid the police. And I thought, I'm like, in 2022, I think that's absolutely <laughs> true. I like, yeah, for sure. Because I'm like, they're getting called out in these, like, you know, historically white men have owned these corporate cultures. They have set the standard for, you know, the financial institution of America. And now they're afraid of HR because their behavior is getting called out so regularly yeah, for being so problematic and so, like, offensive to people that they are really, like, walking around trying, you know, trying not to get basically fired because of HR. And then I thought about it. Oh, I thought yeah. about my own experience and I was like, heck, yes, they should be afraid of HR because I'm like, HR, th- my place was not on them because HR is a part of the problem at my place. But I think about at a normal company where they actually do have some standards, HR would be on every single one of them. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah, I do agree with that. Also, like to further the TikTok thing, too, I think it's also um, socially acceptable to now be woke, right? That's a huge word Um, on, for example, TikTok and like Instagram and stuff like that. But being that woke white American who is seeking change and speaking up for uh, African-Americans, just because um, those people may see the shift of what America will become and, and the optimism. And I do think it is um, not solely a white person's job, but it is as a white person, your job to seek for equality because we cannot do it alone. You know what I mean? We are yeah. not in the positions to create that change for ourselves. And we, I, I feel like we've, we've tried that approach with like MLK and um, my Malcolm X, but we weren't able to get, but so far, Mm-hmm. With that, because we're not in the place to generate that change. We aren't your your huge CEOs. We aren't your huge, you know, owners of finance companies. We aren't your huge lenders for homes and different things like that. Mm-hmm. Because that opportunity, first of all, usually isn't even given to us, mm-hmm. let alone um uh, let alone are we in the position to even acquire said things. <laughs> you know <laughs> to what? be honest. We kind of got on a tangent, but that, that brings back this point, compound disadvantage. That's mm-hmm. a sociological term. And basically what it means is like, um, it is looking at generational and it's usually in reference to minority groups, right? It's like disadvantage yeah. that has compounded over uh, decades and generations mm-hmm. of a certain group of people to create the disadvantage and, and, and inequity that we see today. So, yeah. um, and one of the big ways that, uh, compound disadvantage showed up actually is the GI Bill. Speaking mm-hmm. of, and we know about um, just historically, the GI Bill was something that was basically an incentive after World War II to give GIs that coming out of the war that they could basically come back to America and start to like rebuild an economy and participate in like the American dream. Because mind you, this is like late 40s getting into the 1950s, right? So that's when we yeah. actually did the baby boom. So all the baby boomers mm-hmm. we're talking about were born mostly out of this era, right? Out of like things like the GI Bill, right? That were coming up. So their parents would have been the ones trying to benefit from the GI Bill. Exactly. So, um, but basically what the GI Bill was is it offered assistance as far as like uh, getting education, getting houses. Um, and the idea was to really create this American middle class, this like firm American middle class, which could then, you know, obviously 
feed the economy, feed the upper classes and help mm-hmm. take care of the poor, right? So it was, it was, I'm sure, well-intentioned. And they were like, we have this huge group of men coming out. Because remember, before that, America was 90% or was mo- was a lot agricultural. I want to say 90%. I want to give out statistics. But a lot of America was still agricultural. You know, there wasn't really this like thriving middle class like we have now, right? Yeah, for sure. So this GI Bill was really instrumental in like creating that, uh, creating that for America, you know? Mm-hmm. When I think about the GI Bill in the 1950s, I'm thinking like, I love Lucy, the little, that's when you see suburb, suburbs come up and every house looks the same, yeah, right? Exactly, or when you yeah. see things like um, mass marketing, like different appliances, like washing machines, all these things, all these things that could be cheaply and quickly manufactured and then sold mm-hmm. to the average consumer. That kind of stuff is what was coming out during that time. And that that be, that really shifted the way like our, our nation operates. Because a lot of that stuff, we operate on that, economic basis today right it's for the, sure 100 percent. yeah it's the like house in the suburbs 2.5 kids and a dog that's what that is that's the yeah. quote american dream and that really came about during this time before then you know everything a lot of things were either like if you were urban probably working like some factory job or if you were you know agricultural working on a farm that's really what it was before then so just to give you a little background on the gi bill but the issue with the gi bill wasn't that it they um and stated it it was how they racialized it, how it became racialized, right? So the GI Bill, what served for the white Americans and created this strong, booming white American culture, the, the, the exact opposite for the average black vet, right? So the average vet, mm-hmm. vet black vet coming out was not getting assistance um, with education. Or if they were getting assistance with education, they were segregated from getting into certain schools, Right. They weren't going and applying for the University of Alabama and getting in because they were going to their application was getting was getting denied immediately. Right. Because exactly. of their classmates. Yeah. So that's one way that they couldn't build wealth education. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you have the housing. So they wouldn't give loans out. Basically, what happened is like because the uh, the VA, the Veteran Affairs, wouldn't couldn't actually guarantee a loan so they couldn't give money they could only like co-sign basically so the major banks were still in charge of giving out loans but who were they giving loans to not african-americans african-american peoples right so the white americans were going buying houses in the suburbs the importance of buying a house a house builds wealth right so once you have that wealth you can not only pass it down to your children you could, you know, take out second mortgages, get more money. You could use that as a uh, as collateral for building businesses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Th- that um, immediately sets up a white American to have wealth not only for themselves but for their children, their children's children, who would be us, right? Mm-hmm. That that sets up a different level of wealth for their nation, for their population versus a black American. Exactly. So, uh, so do you think that still applies today? I think the effects of the GI Bill are still around today. And I think that's something people don't, they don't give enough credit for is like that divide, that strong, you know, creating that clear difference in who that wealth gap between white and black Mm -hmm. Americans has only continued to spiral today because then you get into, once you get past the 1950s and like the sixties, then you start talking about, um, then you get into like the ultra rich, like mm-hmm. when you get someone like a 
um, a Donald Trump who came about like in the 80s, right? Who mm-hmm. probably was a baby, who is a baby boomer born in the 50s, but uh, made his life and money like in the 80s when it was high capitalism, when it was like yeah. consumer culture times 10, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they were able, but because his family already was on level 10 and our families were on maybe level two, maybe, then they were able to build wealth 10 times over because they already had the wealth from decades ago to even, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's because, mm-hmm. and it's in part due to the fact that they were not black because there was a yeah, barrier sure. just from a black, just being black. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you have to, and that's what makes it compound a disadvantage is because it's not the same when you talk about, well, why doesn't your family just put you through college or pay for X, Y, Z? Well, my family is coming from a different place than your family is. Nobody's trying sure. to like make, you know what I mean? Nobody is trying to like take away from what other people have gained. Cause I'm not saying that white people don't work for what they get, but there's a, dis- there's an advantage to being white. For sure. Yeah. Being white. Which uh, this is like a little bit off topic, but it like frustrates me when um, I see like what people be like, well, just work hard, get a job and do it. Da, 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 Cause that's what I did. You're still not recognizing that you still have a huge advantage being white. Mm-hmm. Like you, you are always going to benefit from white privilege and you know, nothing different because you are white. That's all you know. But I promise you, if you were to be anything other than white for a day, it's going to look real different. Exactly. And then I, I find it so ironic because, you know, the Patriots in America are so, you know, one thing they support is the veterans. Like, we got to protect the vets, protect the vets. But they only protect the vets or they only care, I guess, so much as like when active duty or people who are actively fighting or whatever. Because I'm like, what about all the veterans we see who are homeless now? Or what about mm-hmm. all the veterans we see who have mental health issues as a result of going yep. and fighting in these wars now? Like, are we actually are we concerned about our veterans and like patriotism and the idea of like America needs to defend its coast and defend its borders, all that. If we don't take care of the people who are here, who have fought, who have actually given their bodies to this, to the American war machine, to America's, you know, so, you know, you see that in things like the GI bill It's like, you know, these, these, the men coming up, coming back, they're, these are black men who put their life on just like any white man did. And I was going to say, even when you talk about, like, you know, those individuals who are vets that have come from, you know, war and are now homeless, even the white vets, y'all yeah, look at them as if they're, like, they're dirty and filthy and a disgrace. When they put their lives on the line, you know what I mean? Their mental health on the line. So can you imagine the things that they have seen or dealt mm-hmm. with? Exactly. And, you know, you're lucky they're alive, period. And y'all look at them like, oh, they're dirty, filthy animals kind of thing. Like, And you want, for example, African-Americans to be patriotic to something that don't even support the white people that have fought in the world war if it doesn't look the way they need it to look. Exactly. That's why I think it's, it's just it's about to me, I think it's also involved with classism. And because, you know, if you're a vet who has a certain appearance, then that's praised. But if you're a homeless sure. vet who has a mental health issue who like has not been able to like adjust back to society. That's another, a different level of uh, respect you get coming back home. And I think something we don't, we don't talk about nearly enough, you know? 
for sure. Yeah, actually, a good example is Forrest Gump, <laughs> right? Yeah, you yeah. See how like Forrest comes back from the war versus Bubba, who doesn't come back. No, Bubba comes mm-hmm. back. No, does he? Does Bubba come back? No, I Bubba. Don't know. I've never seen the whole movie. I'm pretty sure Bubba dies. But then he's uh, his commander. I forget his name. His name might be Fred or something. I'm, I know I'm buttering this. People don't don't come for me. I know I've seen Forrest Gump like three times. I just I can't forget the names right. I can't remember the names right now. But I've never seen it, so <laughs> you gotta watch Forrest Gump. But anyway, Forrest goes and fights in the Vietnam War, right? And then he meets Bubba, who's a black vet. And then he meets his one of his commanders. Uh, is comes back and he's a vet as well, right? So they all come back from the war. Except for Bubba, I think Bubba dies in Vietnam. But um, but the the white commander who was in charge of Forrest, he comes back and he's not um, he's not given the same like laurels that Forrest is given because Forrest like saves them all. Like he like gets all these like presidential medals of honor and all this stuff because he like did some valiant thing during the war. And then the white the commander who's a white guy doesn't get that stuff. And he was you know he was there too, but. He was, I think he was saved by Forrest and uh, he lost his legs. He ended up being like, he ended up getting on alcohol and drugs, not having the same kind of like outlook that Forrest did, you know? Yeah. And it, was, it was interesting to me because I was like, this is a, a white man who does not have the same, who does not get the same respect as another white man because it didn't mm-hmm. really, he didn't look the right way. Yeah. Or he didn't, yeah they he both didn't did look, the same thing, like, you know? Yeah. They both put their lives on the line every day. Um, you know, in that time, it may have been a force situation. But they both put their lives on the line. And he's utterly disrespected when he needs to help after fighting for the country. You know what I mean? Yeah. Luckily, Forrest didn't need that. But it's my but which is so crazy to me, because then you want like, you know, you can say the same thing for African-Americans. We have experienced slavery. We have experienced being oppressed. And da, 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 da. You want me to be loyal? Yeah. That's you know, like. The same thing with, you know, homeless individuals who have fought in a war. I'm pretty sure they have that same notion going through their head. Like, what the heck? I fight for this country and then you give me your butt to kiss? Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's such a a confliction. It's like, not to mention that war is oftentimes really just a rich man's game. Oh, for sure. It's about like rich men's like politics and policies and their grievances with each other. So it's like... Nobody has an individual stake in this. Like the people who end up going and fighting for them are usually relatively uh, poor people or people who don't have as much access and resources. And you're putting their bodies out there for them to like fight for you for something that never benefits them. Or involves them in any type of capacity. Exactly. It's like who really has an issue directly with uh, Putin? I'm not saying that the man, I think his policies are good or that what he does is good. I'm not saying that. But directly, has the man come and, like, done anything to me and my family? No. No, You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying what he's doing is right. Please do not misconstrue this because I don't think what he's doing is right at all in in the least bit. But this is, these are international conflicts between people I have no access to. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's one thing I also hate about America. You know, America is quick to stick their finger and serve the pot for someone else. You know, we have our own internal issues that we really need to be dealing with. Um, 
not saying like obviously the countries that we're in support of um, and work alongside with, if we need to help them out, then that's different, right? But we are quick to jump in war with with other things um, that do not involve us or have nothing to do with us, just to say we were America and we're this big strong country. Da 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 da. You, do you not know, <laughs> as a developed country, we're like one of the lowest on the list. Like we have some our own internal issues that we need to be fixing and worrying about beside before we go to war. I agree with that. But they're quick to, to to jump on in there, like like they somehow like with the Ukraine Russia conflict, they like found thirteen billion dollars to aid Ukraine. Yeah. Like yeah. the American government just like found thirteen billion dollars. And I was like, and everyone oh. on Twitter was like, but you can't erase student loan debt. You can't create right? equity for your own people and not even right. asking for you to give people money. Just erase it. <laughs> First of all, where does 13 million come from? 13.6 million come from? Because first of billion. all, last time I checked, a million, a billion, 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 excuse me. Tax dollars. Tax dollars. First of all, tax dollars, right? But here's what I'm confused about, because we're still indebted to all these other countries by the, I think it's like trillions now. Yeah. Y'all are making up numbers at this point. Excuse my French. But y'all got to be making up numbers. There's 13 million, I mean, billion. I'm pretty sure we don't even have that much in student loans in uh, this country. Like, come on. Yeah, I think student loans is actually less than that. I think it's like three billion or something in student loans. But that's ridiculous. Don't quote me on that. But I think it's something like that. I I just think I actually don't even have a problem with you giving them money like that. Just make sure your citizens are okay. Number yeah. one, first and foremost. You know what I mean? Because I get uh-huh. I get want backing Ukraine in their fight for independence against uh or not fight for independence, but you know fighting for their nation's sovereignty basically against uh-huh. Russia and an invader just coming in and attacking. I understand that. I really do. I'm, you know, and I'm actually empathetic to that, uh, sympathetic to that call. Absolutely. But what I, what I also don't understand is like some stuff we barely out of COVID. We barely like, we have huge massive in, in inequalities in the right and the wealth gap. Right. There's so many things going on here. I just, I don't know if I would have sent $13.6 billion. I'm not in charge of the U.S., whatever, but, and maybe other nations sent money too, but I don't know if I would have sent that much money just on optics alone and not have For sure. given my, you know, American citizen the, uh, the, the break on student loans or other things that, uh, that I like promised my campaign. I'm not here to yeah, right. <laughs> we're failing to fulfill. I'm here for because I'm sure he's making the best decisions he can given the circumstances. But that's just me. I don't know. Here's the thing. I think that don't get me wrong. I do get supporting Ukraine during this time because it's a super tragic event and it's senseless. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do get supporting Ukraine and you know uh, because we. Are I th- I, th- I want to say Ukraine was trying to get an alliance with um, the group of countries that NATO, America works with NATO. NATO. So I, I um, and I guess that was a threat for Putin, right? So I, I understand that, and you, as an as America, I guess you want to be um, I guess friends with as many countries as you possibly want, possibly can. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand that aspect of it. But like you said, we are struggling in America. 
The average citizen. The average citizen. I was reading a quote the other day and it was saying that if you're not making six figures in America, you are not living. And I'm talking about in like small little countries, not countries, in counties and stuff like that in America. Um, Because the cost of living is just so high, for example. Mm-hmm. If you're making anything less than six figures, you're probably not comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I think that also takes into account like having a household and stuff like that. But um, so that means like children and you know, a husband and a wife kind of thing, that mm-hmm. average family look, I guess. But he, he was quick to jump over there and help Ukraine, but you can't even help your own citizens. I agree. You know, well, also, I want to not to qualify or like justify any political decisions being made, but I I do think that because our political system is bipartisan and that and that it is very us and them sort of thing, you know, Republicans, Democrats, yeah. that it is hard to get legislation across that uh, actually benefits the people because of that bipartisan nature. So, oh, I agree with I don't that. Know buttons. Joe Biden and, you know, the Senate Democrats have been pushing or trying to get across. Maybe they've been pushing none of them. I don't know. But um, I just. Well, here's the thing. If that's the case, right, for example, student loans, right, mm-hmm. which was one of his his um, his campaigns, mm-hmm. right? That was one of his, his main was- things that he was campaigning during his during that time he was running for election. Right. Now that he's in office, he's basically saying, oh, that's, that's not going to happen. Right? I agree. I um, think that's BS. That's BS, BS for one. But but here's the thing with that, right? Because it's hard to live, you know, but they expect you to go to college so that you can then live, right? Yeah. Then why not cut out student loans? That's just a simple gesture to show that you are supporting the um, American people, let alone Making the uh, discrep not discrepancy the dis dispor- the disportion I guess um, between access to education and not having education you're kind of like yeah. blurring that line right so for one for two you, there's no way to live if you're paying above what you make you're not raising the threshold for minimum wage so. Okay. Or requiring minimum salaries and stuff. Or, exactly. On top of, now you have to pay this high threshold for living expenses, but you still expect me to go to college and pay thousands of dollars to come. Like, you know, that could have been something minimal that you took out of the equation. Mind you, that's less than what you gave to a whole other country that has nothing to do with us, really. Well, I agree, my man. For what? Like, what is the return for America in that? I think I don't think America should get any more physically involved, unfortunately. And that's not to say anything about like Ukrainian people. But I just I think they shouldn't get any more physically involved in that conflict than they already have, because I really see that quickly. If America does get more physically involved, it's going to become U.S. Russia's Russia, which is the Third War Soviet Union issue like. 2.0 2.0 and yeah. I just I don't see that ending well because Ukraine will if if America gets involved seriously America gets involved UK gets involved other nations get involved we like for real have like World War 3 going on again oh this and is I about just, to be a nuclear war <laughs> I'm not saying I'm like and then you know Russia, China's gonna back Russia and like oh, yeah. you know North Korea probably is like coming right behind that for so sure. like I just 
don't see this. But here's my thing. What I was Biden thinking that. sending that money? Do you think Putin did not know that, like, does not see that as a threat? Putin is freaking crazy. Come on now. I don't know, man. I, it wouldn't have been me. That's me. That's what I'm saying. Oh, you couldn't but, get me to do it. And don't be wrong. Not to say that I couldn't help Ukraine, but um, on that scale, which Putin wants Ukraine out the picture, clearly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so can you imagine the message that's sending to Putin? Like, if you ask me, that's kind of like a red flag. Like, hey, come get me next because... Or saying, I'm, I'm backing this person full scale. Yeah, yeah. I just... Don't be wrong. I get, like, like, the sanctions or whatever that they have on Russia. I understand that because it's like, it, that said to me, I want no part of this. But you go and then donate $13.6 Like, honey, you're saying, like, I'm fully backing you. That ain't no chump change. Excuse mm-hmm. me, not million, billion. Excuse me. That's they not chump change. They the deep darks of the American treasury. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I mean by America always sticking their hands in something. Money and it's, it's like no sweat off their brow. I don't know. I don't know how much money's in it. America is so indebted. I doubt that it's just like sweat off their back. I don't know. I Which don't is know, interesting man. to me, too, because like America is really cutting out their middle class. So where are you about to get all this tax money from? I guess they got it lined up. I mean, they, prob- they probably meet a certain quota every day because of just how much taxes roll in i mean but you are reaching 13 like you just got 13 13.6 million off the cuff just all of a sudden excuse me billion i keep saying million but it's billion y'all just got that off the cuff out of from where you're not bringing that in every day are you who's paying tax that much tax like i don't i don't foresee that I don't know. I really don't know. I'd have to get into the the deep. They didn't have me as receptionist at the uh, at the yeah. treasury because <laughs> I would have been sitting there sniffing all the questioning. <laughs> so we pay trying to that much. It is, honey. Where, where is my raise? Where is my raise, bro? Just seeing what Lexington County was spending on stuff, I was like, millions on that. Seriously. Like, okay. And I think that was like frustrates me out of anything is not that America doesn't have, quote unquote, the capital or the resources. They just choose to use it on things that are like, what, you know, like for you, mm-hmm. for example, when Courtney just said, I'm um, the Lexington thing. They were using it on things that were just shocking, really. To me, things I didn't know that the county was spending that much tax dollars on. I'm not surprised about it at all. Yeah. Not surprised. Like so that brings me to a question here. So. Courtney, as a Black American, um, you know, we're supposed to be patriotic when it comes to, especially like a 9-11 um, attack on the Twin Towers, right? Uh-huh. So how do you feel about that? Well, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, I have a controversial opinion on it. And mm-hmm. I, I do feel like it's justified because it's all in, in perspective and how you look at it. And I'm going to try to explain this as thoroughly as possible because I don't want nobody, nobody coming back and, you know, Five ten years from now, I'd be like, "You said that you didn't. I don't care about nine eleven and nine nine eleven because I can hear it now. I really can." So, but I wanna, I wanna go ahead and, and qualify the statement by saying, "What I'm about to say is not about the lives that were lost. I have absolute, total empathy for the lives that were lost in that uh, tragedy. The people who didn't make it home to their children, the people who didn't make it home to their wives, people who didn't make it home to their husbands." You know, grandparents, aunts, uncles, there are people whose lives were lost. And that shouldn't, that's, 
that is the part I feel worst about because that is the collateral damage in situations like that. Innocent lives. Those were innocent people. Like innocent people nothing to do. And went to work that day. Mm-hmm. So that is mm-hmm. really, and that really actually that contributes to my point because I think that that is that's where where the focus should be is those innocent lives lost. Yeah. But my controversial opinion about it is that I think that 2001 September 11th tw- attack on Twin Towers was actually. It's a, I almost see it as like a public art performance, okay? And go with me here. It's really, that attack was a symbol on a, the American uh, financial system prowess. Because if you think about what the, what the Twin Towers represent, they're these big uh. symbols of American financial institutions, of American financial strength, of American financial uh, power. These are, you know, those are big buildings really just it's like wall street like if somebody attacked wall street that that represents more than just what happens in that building it is a symbol to America's world so i feel like the uh the the people who who took a plane and ran into it they were clearly showing that this group that um crashing into the system or crashing into these uh these symbols it shows exactly what America had been doing to other people all along, sure. which is they yeah. were disrupting this false idea of what America's financial power, America, this this idea of like the end all be all. That's what they were disrupting. Yeah. And so I almost see it as an art kind of thing. Like, you know, how people go out on the street and well, you know, experimental art goes onto the street and they, you know, perform these sort of things. And so they literally took a plane into these towers and just bam right into it just saying yeah. like it's not what you think it is and then you know and again i want that's the controversial opinion on it on the matter but if you look at it from another perspective which really i think we should do you know that's that's really what that is because to the rest of the world what the what do those what does america look like to somebody else you know you got to start yeah. thinking about it from that perspective not to mention inside america the twin towers were never assembled for black people they were never a symbol for women, queer people, poor people. Those were always symbols of white, white America, male financial power, success. So sure. that that the attack on the Twin Towers doesn't have the same weight for me because that that's not the same symbol for me. Yeah. That wasn't created for somebody like me. And to piggyback off of that, so I have a, a quite a different different um, opinion as well as Courtney along the same lines as Courtney actually, and. Um, I do want to say this before I start is I do send my condolences to the families um, that have lost someone in, you know, 9-11 and also in the Ukraine-Russia um, war at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I will say as far as 9-11 is concerned, I feel like 9-11 was just, um, you know, America thought they were all big and bad. You know, they could go and f- stir the pot for everybody else and like they were the fixer of everything and they were just kind of impenetrable. But 9-11 definitely proved that we could be touched, you know, even by the the underdog, quote unquote. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to me, 9-11 should have been a humbling act, you know, Um, but it definitely was not. It was more of like, oh, let's make this a patriotic thing. And don't be wrong. I do think we should um, celebrate the lives. We should. Yeah, we should commemorate the lives that were lost in that, the innocent lives that were lost in that, especially because there were far too many for a senseless act that started with nothing that involved Twin Towers in the first place mm-hmm. um, and the individuals that worked in the Twin Towers. However, um, 
I really don't think that should be something that's quote unquote like the patriotic thing to do because it has it really has nothing to do with um supporting America because of that that in, those institutions the twin towers do not support quote unquote all Americans. Yeah. It only supports those white Americans who are in big business. Even and your poor Americans, it doesn't support them either. Exactly. It's like there's there were poor people on the street that day exactly. in New York who had no access to that building, who had exactly. no access to the financial power to mm-hmm. the systems in that building, who had no access. And it was because of their poorness. <laughs> it's because yeah. of like, you know what I mean? It's like all these things that I, I really think we have to we have to consider that more than just someone attacked us and look at why would someone come over here and attack in the first place? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's like it takes yeah. a level of like self-awareness, I think, that is by and large missing from American culture because there's an emphasis on patriotic support our nation no matter what. And it's like our nation has been wrong. Oh, yeah. On many occasions. You know what I mean? It's not only been wrong to other nations, it's been wrong to its own citizens. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I don't see, you know, I when September 11th rolls around, I do. I pay my respect for the people who lost their lives. But that act of crashing those planes into those towers, I, I don't have the same level of patriotic, like even really sympathetic feelings because I'm like they crashed into the buildings that were problematic to begin that represented a problem to begin with you know what I mean and I think on some level I'm like well you know what why wouldn't they that's all I'm saying why wouldn't they it's like the big bully goes and slaps a kid and then when the kid comes and slaps him back suddenly there's a problem you see, oh, we're crying wolf. Yeah, we're yeah, all of a sudden the victim. And it's like, mm-hmm. everybody have sympathy for me when I go around slapping others. Exactly, it's, yeah. I just, I encourage people listening and people who are deeply patriotic, I guess, to consider what America looks like to somebody else. Exactly. Which is hard for a lot of Americans. privileged people to do, right? Yeah. But, Which is so odd to me. Like, it's very hard for Americans to grasp the idea that something out there is better. Um, or that it's different. It's like... Or that it's different, yeah. And respecting yeah. that difference. It's like America is the only way to be. It's the only way to be. I was watching a TikTok, a girl, she married a German man. And um, the German guy was basically like, hey, come over here to Germany. And she was just very adamant about, okay, you need to come over to America and live because it's just so great and grand and da 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 She moves over to Germany and she loves it. Like, she's now had her eyes open because she moved to Germany with her husband. Um, and she just sees the difference that, you know the differences from living in America and being like closed minded and stuff like that versus being in Germany where they have access to, you know, like education and health and um, better food, just like simple things that should be a basic right, really, um, that we don't have here in America. We don't have access. Everyone doesn't have access to education. Not everybody, especially a good education. Um, mm-hmm. We don't always have access to proper food. I did not know this, but in a lot of countries, American food is banned, like American mm-hmm. meat. You know what I mean? Um that's a problem. Why are we feeding that to Americans then? Exactly. So, you know, like th- just basic things that we can't even get right in America, but we're going to, you know, extend ourselves to other countries and or you want, you know, the people that you are oppressing, really, um, or, or you're treating less than you I expect just, them to be patriotic to you. I see that as a giant metaphor for what white male psyche is. It's probably 
it's the idea of we're mediocre, actually, in the grand scheme of things, but we're going to go out and impose our viewpoint on others, despite our mediocrity, despite the issues we have at home that we don't fix first, but we're going to go out and expand our, our viewpoint on others because we feel like That's our viewpoint is the only one that matters yeah. and exists, which you exactly. see that time and time again and like not only male culture, well, male culture, specifically white male culture, is is this idea of that I am the end-all, be-all, despite when you really look at what the end-all, be-all is, it'd be average at best on a good day. If we look yeah, at it the right way. subpar, if you ask me. But. Yeah, that's what I'm like. And and that's that's what we were saying. I think people are calling out culturally now. They're calling out that culture of uh, white mediocrity setting the standard for things or mm-hmm. and white privilege setting the standard for things. Um you know what I mean? It starts in smaller businesses, but then it goes all the way up to something like the Twin Towers or Wall mm-hmm. Street. You know what I mean? All these like major yeah. institutions. So, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to think about. Like, how do you actually, if you can actually even be patriotic and be a black person in America, or you can, you know what I mean, be a, a minority person in America. For sure. I, I already see somebody like some like right-leaning whoever why you listen to this podcast in the first place if you're that right-leaning I don't know but like if you are right-leaning and you come over here and you're like well they're just not patriotic America it's a place you live you're from America you have a job in America blah 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 like all that stuff I see that I already see that like coming and my response to that is first off don't don't come over into somebody's stuff where your viewpoints. My response is be black mm-hmm. for a day, buddy. Try being black, black for a day. Just try that. That's all I'm gonna say. Also, if you come over here with that type of nonsense, try be go be black for a day. I know you can't, but be black for a day and just see how different the world treats you, especially mm-hmm. in grand old America. And that's not to say that I hate America, because I do think there are some privileges to living here as well. But um we need to really do some internal work. Period. I agree. Like if you can't if you can't self reflect and say this this needs to improve, then you do end up going around and being that like mediocre, you know, having that kind of outlook of imposing everything on everyone. It's like we it, it's not the end all be all. This can get better. This can be better, and has not always has not been great for a lot of people. You have to accept yeah. that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. So that's what I would say to them. Um, for sure. Not that I owe them a response, but seriously, <laughs> seriously. But you know, just uh, always somebody always comes back with some other like other opinion. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh yeah, you you don't even have to pick this up and listen to it. Not saying that like if you listen to it, whatever. But and they're usually like you said, right wing, white males, yeah, ignorant to uh, other people's plight and or cultures. So exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's you You got to look at things from somebody else's perspective. And honestly, I, I see why those nations would go and like crash their, you know, crash a plane into the Twin Towers. Because it's like, how many times has America crashed a plane into their home country? Oh, for sure. Bombed them. You know, you know what I mean? Like, how many times has uh, have American troops come in uh, and tried to like, you know, white savior their, mm-hmm. uh, their, 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 uh, country their nation their government so i i just i i don't the the twin towers does not have the same impact on me or like september 11th does not have the same impact on me besides the individual lives that were lost 
Absolutely. The I would of agree. Those planes going into attacking the American uh, Twin Towers, attacking America, that, I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 100% agree with that. I do 100% um, send condolences and prayers out to those who have lost anyone in that. Um, like we've said before, and you know, it was like it was very senseless for those who were innocent in that, which were pretty much all the Americans in that. Let's be real. Mm-hmm. Um, but and the thing is, that I don't understand is America still has to learn. They still go sticking their finger in, in people's business. <laughs> exactly, and, <laughs> you well, and, then, and then you wonder why something happens to you. Like you know, Iraq, the F, uh, Afghanistan and Iraq wars, which happened mm-hmm. subsequently after that. And like just the fight of like war on terrorism and like that became a huge thing after September 11th is like we have to find these terrorists, these terrorists, yeah. terrorists, terrorists. And what I find so ironic now is when you actually go through the data and look at it, the terrorists will be the ones who are right here living now today in America. Yeah. Those who oh, yeah. A lot of the terrorists, a lot of terrorists is like white nationalists. A mm-hmm. lot of the terrorist threat today is our people who live among us who are the standard you know what i mean yeah Yeah, let alone terrorist for sure and let alone we didn't even consider like we are their terrorist you know over there Mm -hmm. in their country but america Mm -hmm. doesn't look at us like that oh we're saving them they do not want the same thing that you maybe want for them you know that's one thing we learned in um, one of my public health classes one of my teachers she did a lot of like missionary work or whatever and she was, she was, I would say she's pretty, pretty liberal, but she was saying one thing you cannot do is you cannot go over to someone else's country who may not be as fortunate as you give them this setup and then just run and leave and give them the things that you want to give them. You have to see if they are able to receive what you're doing, maintain what you are doing and mm-hmm. um, then apply those things that you are teaching them to spread to the masses. If they are not able to do that, then you're doing no work at all. You're doing nothing. Exactly. So exactly. it's the same principle there. Exactly. And, you know, they're like, like what we were saying with the terrorist movement, they are going out seeking these terrorist organizations as a way to sort of almost like vendetta, like Mm -hmm. vengeance is mine, you know, like they want that to be like, well, you don't get to do that to us. And that's true. They they don't get to come and attack us. Okay, I'm not even saying I'm not suggesting how they should have handled that situation. But what I am saying, though, is I think it would have behooved the American government, the American you know, nation to really step back and say, okay, now why would somebody do this to mm-hmm. us besides what we think? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and that could have, that could have, you know, stopped a 20 something year war. Cause I didn't know the Afghanistan sure. war or the Iraq war went on for 20 something years mm-hmm. looking for these various organizations and stopping, you know what I mean? And I'm like, and for what? And that's using tax dollars. That's using money. That's like using all these things that is like, for what? Seriously, for what? <laughs> you know? Seriously. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I don't, it's it's baffling to me, but I see I see war as like a, it's like some deeply male-oriented thing that I really don't even feel like, it's like, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's just some deeply male-oriented things like I have to prove that I'm, I have strength or I for have sure. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so yeah. you just gonna kill innocent people who have nothing to do with those. Okay. Yeah, for what? Yeah. Just like, that's why I don't understand, but like Putin, like you're going through bombing Ukraine. Um, for what? Yeah. I don't think that makes you know, you for mean. what, for what, for one. And for two, all the, in the lives that are being lost for what, you know, I, I just, for the life of me, 
can't wrap my head around besides it being just a man fight, like an ego thing, really. Um, I can't wrap my head around it. It it like doesn't make any sense. And what are you gaining from that? Russia is huge. If you, if you know, I'm pretty sure most people have seen Russia on a map, right? It's it's majority of land (laughs) Um, as a, a complete mass, right? So why do you need Ukraine? And Ukraine doesn't even have the same, you know, it may have the same infrastructure, I guess. I don't know. But it doesn't have the same, it doesn't have the same setup as Russia is concerned, right? So how is that even a threat? It really wasn't. It wasn't. It was just a man eagle fight, period. It was like, they really, Ukraine and Russia had gone back and forth for like decades. Like you can go back to, I think what I was reading is that it went back to like the 90s or something. Uh-huh. So they had gone back and forth for like decades at this point. But, you know, this was just his like latest attempt, I think, to really like, we're going to get him now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that kind of thing. Or like, Putin trying to like, show what he's capable of. Yeah. Basically, it started out because he was like sending troops to the border of Ukraine mm-hmm. and like doing these kind of like faux shows, like showing like their military power and like demonstrations, basically, which pretty mm-hmm. much is like, for sure. Just picking fights and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of thing, which is like, yeah. how fucking, how freaking old are you? Like, anyway, but, but like, yeah, so basically that's what we're doing. And then, of course, that puts Ukraine on alert because they're like, they're coming up to our border, like, acting like they're going to fight. And then eventually, I think Putin did send them in and like, which is like, all right, yeah. full out invasion, you know? Mm. So, yeah, it's very... I just, I'm like, what, like, what does this do for you? Like in the grand scheme, you created this this conflict now mm-hmm. that other nations are are becoming more and more increasingly involved in, and I'm like, this is this is this has nothing to do with anybody else or any other nation really, besides like your ego and what you feel For like sure. is is like rightfully or somehow, you mm-hmm. know, like I just I don't know problematic. problematic. Yeah, and now gas prices are high. <laughs> Not that that's the only thing, but like they are, like you know, we already couldn't afford it, and now it's even higher. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I feel about being black in wartime. Same, if I don't yeah. feel about it. That's really what I'm saying. Is I'm just like. It's not that I don't feel about it. I just, I'm not, I'm not patriotic about it by any means. I don't feel like I should be patriotic to America. Um, You know, I think that, don't be wrong. And I'm not, that's not saying that America has not served me and benefited me in some way or or another. However, um, the system from its foundation has been set up for me to fail. So. Mm -hmm. Or to not give the same opportunities. AKA failed. Yeah. So. um, Yeah. I would agree. I think that's why I meant by I don't feel about it is I don't I don't feel yeah. patriotic in that sense of like if America, you know, really is somehow involved in a war. I just I don't know if I can bring myself to be like I'm not connected to the nation. I'm not connected to these institutions. Mm-hmm. I don't see myself like in full on support of whatever, you know, they're deciding to do because it's like I don't get support. I don't get full support and backing here. You know, mm-hmm. not to mention, I don't I don't even have access to the people who are in these spaces making these decisions. Like, I'm not about to go knock on Joe Biden's door and be like, yo, this is what I think we should do. 
in, right. you know, in reference to the Ukraine crisis. You know, I can't pick up the phone and call Putin or whoever and have any serious influence on anything. So like, and if I did, we wouldn't be doing this, <laughs> you exactly. know? Exactly. So, yeah, which we should definitely like talk one day about like women. What if women ruled the, ruled the world? Um, yeah. Obviously in like a hypothetical sense, but would it change anything? Would it be different? I don't know. I, that's a really interesting probing question we could get into because mm-hmm. I think in some ways it might be different, but in other ways, maybe they would just replicate the same systems and maybe it wouldn't be different, you yeah. know? Because yeah, women can be just as evil and vindictive too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, that was a good discussion. I'm glad we could talk about um, a contemporary issue. We wanted to definitely talk about this um, now because this conflict has been going on. And, you know, by the time this is posted, we're fingers crossed. Maybe it's not going on. Hopefully it's not going on by the time this is posted, you know. But um, but we wanted to definitely have this conversation because, it, it, you know, having these these global conflicts come up, come up makes you think, where do I fit or where does my allegiance lie? Where does my, you know, quote, patriotism lie as a black American? Like, do I, if I'm, do I even have any patriotism? It makes yeah. you think because, you know, you're, you're a minority in a group of where the majority is fighting some cause that has nothing to do with you or you don't even really have any tie to. So exactly. So, Yeah. Well, it's been a good talk. Glad we had this conversation. I think we talked about a lot. And um, we'll see you in the next one. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. See you in the next one. Bye. Bye. We've got a brand new episode of Case Cold coming for you all next week. So make sure you tune in next Friday night. You won't want to miss it. everyone thanks for listening to another episode of keiko talks before this episode ends i wanted to tell you all about a special online screening series i'll be hosting this summer for my very first feature film clout every saturday evening in june i'll be hosting a screening of the entire theatrical version of clout beginning at 6 30 p.m eastern and 3 30 p.m pacific each saturday we'll watch the film together and have an open q a with you the audience members me and members of the cast tickets are eight dollars each and can be purchased right now on eventbrite so head over to clout's official website linked in the description below to find the link to purchase your tickets can't wait to see you all at clout screenings this summer